Part Two, Chapter Twenty Four of Senator North. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Senator North by Gertrude Atherton. Part Two, Chapter Twenty Four. They returned late on Friday night. As Betty had anticipated, Harriet's exhausted body had not harbored a violent spirit for long. When they arrived in New York, she bought herself a crepe veil, reaching to her toes, and when she entered the dilapidated old house where her husband lay dead, she began to weep heavily. Her tears scarcely ceased to flow until she had started on her way to the mountains again, and hot as it was, she never raised her veil during the nine hours' train journey from New York to the lake, except to eat the food that Betty forced upon her. Mrs. Madison had returned, and Betty, after telling her those details of the funeral, which elderly people always wish to know, went to her room, for she was tired and longed for sleep. But Harriet entered almost immediately and sat down. She barely had spoken since Monday, but it was evident that she was ready to talk at last, and Betty stifled a yawn and sat upon the edge of her bed. Harriet was a delicate subject and must be treated with vigilant consideration, except at those times where an almost brutal firmness was necessary. She looked sad and haggard, but very beautiful, and Betty reflected that with her voice she might begin life over again, and in a public career forget her brief attempt at happiness. If she failed, it would be because there was so little grip in her. Nature had been lavish only with the more brilliant endowments. Betty, she began, I want to tell you that I'm sorry I said those dreadful words when I learned he was dead. But suspense and the doubt that had begun to work had nearly driven me crazy. I don't mind saying, though, that I wish I had kept on meaning them that I could do what I said I'd do, for I meant them then. I reckon I did, but I haven't any backbone. My will is a poor, miserable, weak thing that takes a spurt and then fizzles out. And I'd rather be good than bad. I reckon that has something to do with it. I'd have gone to the bad, I suppose, if you hadn't taken hold of me. I'd have just drifted that way, although I liked teaching Sunday school and I liked to feel I was good and respectable and could look down on people that were no better than they should be. And now that I've been living with such respectable and high-toned people as you all are, I don't think I could stand niggers and poor white trash again. I am sure you will be good, interrupted Betty encouragingly, and you owe him respect. Don't forget that, and make allowances for him. Ah, yes. Her face convulsed, but she calmed herself and went on. You will never know how I loved him. I was proud enough of the name, but I worshipped him, and he killed himself to get rid of me. Oh, yes, I'll make allowances, for I killed him as surely as if I had pulled that trigger. Put the heavier blame on those that went before you, said Betty, with intent to soothe. You did wrong in deceiving him, but helpless women should be forgiven much that they do, in their desperate battle with circumstance. Think of it as a warning, 
but not as a crime. Don't let anything make you morbid. Life is full of pleasure. Go and look for it and put the past behind you. Harriet shook her head. I am not you, she said. I am I. And I feel as if there was a heavy hand on my neck pressing me down. If I should live to be a toothless old woman, I should never feel that I had any right to be happy again. Heaven knows what I might be tempted to do, but I should laugh at myself for a fool all the same. The color rushed over her face, but she continued steadily. There's something else I must tell you before I can sleep tonight. I've read his letter to you. I knew he had written it, and down there, while you were asleep, I took it out of your pocket and read it. It was I who suggested going over to Virginia, for I was afraid some newspaper would get hold of it if we were married in Washington, where he was so well known. I didn't know there was such a law in Virginia, so you see, the Lord was on his side a little. I don't bear his name. I'm as much of an outcast as the vengeance of a wrong man could wish. I am sure he thought of you kindly at the last, and I shall never think of you in that way, that other way. You must go to Europe and begin life over again. Harriet rose and kissed Betty affectionately. Good night, she said. You are just worn out, and I have kept you up. But I felt I wanted to tell you, and that no matter how ungrateful I sometimes appear, I always will love you, and I'd rather be you than anyone else in the world, because you are so unlike myself. Betty went with her to the door. Go to sleep, she said. Don't lie awake and think. Oh, I will sleep, she said. Don't worry about that. End of Part 2 Chapter 24